Hey gang, Wonder Rob here. And Shop's here too. This podcast is part of the Geek So To Speak network. Visit GeekSoToSpeak.com for our full podcast lineup. Captain Vactor's Log, Stardate 1000078.09. Once upon a time, there was a Star Trek podcast called Treknological. It was hosted by two captains, nay, kings, who wanted to share their love of Trek while also being loving husbands and attentive fathers. So far, the podcast is eight episodes into reviewing Star Trek Strange New Worlds, and I would say they are having a blast. This week's jaunt into the realm of fantasy was a pleasant surprise. Thou art in for a treat as we leave Castle Vactor and Castle Shoff to search for our happily ever after in the stars. Welcome back to Treknological, a Star Trek shakedown. I am Sir Trent of Vactor, and with me, as always, is Sir Jimmy of Schaff. Hello, sir. Cheerio. <laughs> this is going to be not a mission, Schaff, but an epic quest, as we Ooh. are reviewing Star Trek Strange New World Season 1, Episode 8, The Elysian Kingdom, which is all about fantasy and fairy tales. So we're going to get right into that. But first, we want to let you know that we are your source for all things Star Trek. And we are very grateful that you are listening to us. And we would very much like if you would leave us a wonderful five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Like our friend, Goodney13, who left us a five-star review in April. and That's awesome. We just now saw it, so sorry, Goodney, but <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, he said, wow, loved it. So thank you, Goodney. Um, yeah, we, we're so thankful and appreciative. Uh, hopefully you're still listening, Goodney, and, uh, <laughs> that it, or Goodney, or however you pronounce it. Uh, we don't want to butcher it and, and, and make you mad. We yeah. just want to say thank you um, and hope that you're still tuning in each week because... Uh, hopefully you've only seen a, a, a certain amount of growth and maybe even additional quality of content yes. So uh, since April. So thank you so much. Thank you very much. And you can also leave us a five-star review on Spotify. And Shaf has been doing a great job of leaving some questions on our Spotify page. So if you actually scroll down in your app, if you're listening on Spotify, you can get to it right at the bottom of the app when you're listening to our show. But we have a listener who responded, Shaf, and it was EA. Yeah, EA Sports. It's in the game. Yeah. No, um, But EA, we don't know what it stands for, but we're just calling him EA. Wants to go slightly anonymous, but I will say this. Um, this person, uh, we're not going to give any gender because there's nothing to indicate one way or another. Um, and also it doesn't matter. But uh, ultimately, EA has been really uh, uh, leaving uh, their answers on the episode Q&A. It's been great. So, like, for instance, the most recent one was, who's your favorite Star Trek villain? 
and uh, EA's answer was Q. And I I think that's a a very safe answer to say. I'm sure a lot of people would agree. Q is definitely one of the best of the uh, Star Trek baddies. And then another one, um, uh, previously I asked the question, what Star Trek theme song is your favorite? And EA responded with TNG, which great theme song great theme song so there's really no wrong answer there as well because they're all excellent um but uh but yeah quick shout out to ea please keep uh keep uh, leaving us some um, answers to our questions and and i'm gonna keep trying to remember to pin it on spotify so you get your your 15 minutes of fame as well nice so yeah like i said you can leave us a review and answer some questions on spotify as well as apple Podcasts. and don't forget while you're there, you can also tell all of your family and friends that you're having a great old time listening to Trechnological with Captains Vactor and Shoff, and we would be very grateful. But Shoff, I see something up ahead. Set a course for the nearest planet, Maximum Warp. Aye, sir. Course laid in. Give me that Szechuan sauce! <laughs> All right, Captain Shaw, pause your Fortnite game and meet me in the transporter room where we'll beam down to the planet's surface in search for some Trek news. Aye, sir. Hold on. Just got to get that VR. (laughs) Oh, yep. Nope. I just got headshotted. Okay. All right. On my way. Two kings to beam down. All right. Let's scan the planet's surface for any sign of Trek news. I found some Trek news, Captain Vactor. Oh, yeah. What kinds of stories did you find, Captain Shaw? Okay, so um, the ready room was visited by Babs Olusenmakun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he plays uh, Mbenga. So let's <laughs> call him Mbenga. Uh, and Melissa Navia, who plays um, uh, Ortegas. Yeah. Uh, so they uh, visited the ready room hosted by Huil Huiten. And, uh, and they, it was a great interview. Uh, so definitely check out the ready room for that. Also, over the weekend, Paramount Plus quietly upgraded their streaming version of Star Trek First Contact, my personal favorite of nice. the Star Trek movies, to the new 4K scan with Dolby Vision HDR. So. That's exciting. Now, you're going to want to watch this soon because it's only going to be on Paramount Plus until the end of July, at which point it's going to probably shift to some other streaming service just due to some kind of licensing deal. Um, But Intel from Industry Sources says that the title is likely to arrive on a physical 4K Ultra HD next year, coinciding with the final season of Star Trek Picard on Paramount Plus. So that's pretty cool. Uh, we're also expecting to get uh, Star Trek V, Star Trek VI, uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture, uh, Director's Edition on a physical 4K UHD and remastered Blu-ray in September. No official announcement, uh, but we should hear something soon. Nice. Um, also, uh, for those that play Star Trek Online, there is a new expansion called Stormfall that is now live on PS4. Uh, so it's launching on consoles and then on June 30th, uh, which is coming up in about five days, there's a Lunat festival in game. So you'll want to check out, uh, that, uh, also, uh, Star Trek's space scoundrels have been ranked for your, uh, pleasure. 
and um, also some information about Deep Space Nine's finale and how it added depth to the franchise, how the final frontier made me a nicer kid and a better person. And also, if you need some more information about Cybok, there is some Strange New Worlds 101 uh, with Cybok uh, featured on that. So lots to enjoy. Okay, thank you very much, Captain Shaw. Transmit those news articles to our show notes for our listeners. Now let's continue our weekly mission with our episode discussion. And to start off, we always got to throw up a red alert because we're going to be talking spoilers for Season 1, Episode 8, The Elysian Kingdom. Synopsis for this episode, the USS Enterprise becomes stuck in a nebula that is home to an alien consciousness that traps the crew in a fairy tale. This aired June 23rd, 2022. I wanted to tell Shoff, I found this little piece of trick uh, trivia. This is the eighth episode of Strange New Worlds, like I said, but this is the 851st overall episode of Trek. So, oh my gosh, I found that wow. interesting. Um, also, the in universe star date 2341.6, that is in our time, Shoff, 2259. So interesting. As I said, this is a fairy tale. And I thought, Shaf, this was a perfect, this is a like a throwback to TNG. Like this is the, the type of um, Picard episode that you would find where he's doing Shakespeare um, in the holodeck or something like that. And it's just a fun excuse for the cast to get dressed up, go to a different place, <laughs> and still have an allegory and still have like a nice story. So I really enjoyed this. I don't think we talked off microphone about this yet um oh actually you did you text me and you said uh, yeah just briefly just after i'd seen it i was like this episode is i want to say i think i said it was bonkers I but in so. a great way yes yeah um and uh yeah there was just a lot to enjoy a lot to enjoy and i, I took a bunch of notes so uh yeah i'm excited yeah, to talk about yeah. it i very much enjoyed it um like i said this is kind of like a storybook episode and that's what the cast referred to it as on the ready room. They were like, this is the storybook episode. I loved mm-hmm. it. Um, seeing all the cast dressed up in their, you know, their, the knights and the kings and the queens and um, all of those things, the wizards, all of that stuff was really fun. And I had a blast with this episode, Shoff. I was laughing, um, especially at Anson Mount's Pike at his kind oh my of gosh sniveling. I have I have notes about that. I have notes <laughs> about that. Okay, so so <laughs> I, I commented. I was like, okay, so we we were used to Pike's Peak, and now we got Pike's Middle Part. And I got to say, Pike's Middle Part, no bueno. Uh, Pike's Peak is greater than Pike's Middle Part. Oh. Um, but also, I, I said that he's so funny when he like any scene that he is in as this. I forget his character's name, but like he's a snively, um, cowardly character and, and definitely like dishonest, disloyal, kind of like fair weather basically. Like, um, but when he's on the, he's in the brig and he's like breaking under the pressure of confinement, the way he like slaps (laughs) the bars when he's mad at it. (laughs) There were so many times when I just like laughed out loud in this episode. And it's funny to me because earlier on in the season, the Spock amok, episode was supposed to be kind of like their comedic episode, 
But right. I didn't find myself laughing anywhere near as much as the Elysian Kingdom episode. Yes. I felt like there was a lot more humor um, invested into it. And and there were just so many moments where Pike's performance, because it was so different than who he plays on the show, I was just, it was so fun to watch him. And everybody seemed to be having a good time. Oh, yeah. Um, I had a question for you. Yes. So this is just totally speculative. There's no right answer, no wrong answer. But early on in the episode, um, Pike's character says he calls out for the court jester. He's like, court jester, we're ready for the court jester. <laughs> now, there is no court jester that we see, but I, I want to ask you, who do you think would be the court jester? Now, obviously, we saw the rest of the cast, so it would have to be somebody who has lesser seen or maybe somebody who we haven't seen yet. Like, imagine... Um, if like Chekhov is, is like in the crew, but like a cadet somewhere and like not on the bridge yet or something or whatever. I, I want to get your take. Cause I have, I have a thought on this one. Um, but wh- who would you cast as, uh, as the jester? I think it's gotta be Kirk. It's gotta be Kirk's brother. Yes. It's gotta be one of the, that's Kirks. who I thought too. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it's gotta be Samuel Kirk. No <laughs> doubt. <laughs> Him with that mustache. Yeah. I, I, now I wish there was like a deleted scene of Samuel Kirk just like <laughs> cart, cartwheeling on the bridge and like <laughs> offering up some like stupid joke with a hat with bells on it or yeah. something. Like that would have been great. Oh, I, I looked it up. Uh, Pike played Lord Ralph. Lord Ralph. That's right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So all, seeing all of the different, you know, as they introduced each character, they each got their own kind of. Like this, ta-da! Like here's Hammer. He's a he's a good wizard. Here's Spock. He's an evil wizard. Here's Laan. She's a spoiled princess. Like each character's introduction. I think if we were watching this in that theater, we would have got an applause or we would have gotten something because um, I think they did a really good job of like introducing everybody. Um, and being from Mbenga's point of view, it was kind of fun, you know seeing his reaction to everybody and seeing everybody and thinking, Hey, who's going to be next? What's going to, what's going to be their character? Um, all of that stuff was just super fun for me. So, um, I really had a blast going through each one of their characters and then going the kind of juxtaposition of the characters as we know them, especially with Pike, that was like the number one, but Spock also seeing, okay, we know them as this type of character now they're playing like completely opposite of and Laon was yeah. the same. It really felt like they were they purposely cast them off type, like yes. against what their 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 archetype is. Um and and I think one of the biggest adjustments was Laon um because she was so like princessy <laughs> and and prissy, but also very fun too, very bubbly, um, very likable. Uh and then she, her her actual dog was yeah. cast as her dog. So that was pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> I, was I think funny. her dog's name was Runa. Uh, yeah. Pr- Princess Runa. Yeah. So, uh, and they went into that a little bit on the ready room, which was fun. Uh, but yeah, the costumes were super elaborate. I really loved, um, uh, Uhura's costume. She was uh, yes. the queen and, uh, and she played the queen very menacing and yes. evil and, uh, and, and played it perfectly and beautiful. Right. She looked beautiful. And um, we're thinking of her as, hey, she's a nice girl. She like we like her as Uhura. And then like we talked about that juxtaposition of, oh, now she's the evil queen. We don't like anything about her. 
So mm-hmm. yeah, just I, like I said, just fun is how I, I would describe this episode. And I think this is the last one we're going to get for the rest of this season. I, I think I didn't watch the preview for next week's episode, but I think the rest of them are going to start being a little more dramatic and leading up to that finale coming up in two weeks. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. And the, the preview, I did watch it. Um, and I don't think this spoils anything, but it definitely has a much more of a, like, uh, either like a monster of the week vibe, or it could be, could be, could be the return of the Gorn. So, uh, so that would be fun. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, this episode was really a nice change of pace. It actually gave me an opportunity to see Hemmer in a different light. And I liked him a lot more. Like he felt more, um, uh, just approachable, like yeah. charismatic and, right. and seeing him like throw, he's like, what would a wizard say? And he's like, Alec, uh, abracadabra yeah. <laughs> or whatever. And then he's like trying to like pretend like he's conjuring up yeah. magic before he transports them. <laughs> I was like, this guy, this is great. Yeah. Like that an Andorian, um, would behave this way is so un, uh, unlike an Andorian. Um, I know he's the, the, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, albino version mm-hmm. of Andorians, the right. Aeneans, but, um, uh, but I mean, he's, he was, he's been very kind of gruff and curt and to the point. And, and now we get to see this other side of him and it's great. So, uh, I loved it. I got to say, even though number one, uh, has been really wooden throughout the rest of the episodes of the season, I feel she was still wooden in this episode yeah. and she was playing a totally different character. <laughs> now granted she was like an archer. It seemed like she had some kind of a romantic involvement with, um, Ortegas's, mm-hmm. uh, knight character. Right. Uh, but other than that dynamic, she just seemed just as wooden. And now I'm kind of just thinking that it really just comes down to the actress. Yeah. I hate to say it, but I kind of feel like we've seen, two distinct characters that she kind of just played the same. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I could, I guess I could blame the director for not trying to get something else out of her. Right. But it kind of just seems like a limitation of Rebecca Romaine's acting abilities. And I hate to, I hate to say that about an actress or actor, but that's what I'm getting. And I, and I really hate to poo poo it, but she, uh, in amongst the rest of the cast really stands out, uh, you know, in a, in a not so good way because everyone else is super strong in their parts. Yeah. And I guess, you know, at this point in the season, I'm kind of used to it. Like I'm, I, yeah. The, number one is the clearly to me, the weakest link in the cast. And that's not, you know, necessarily to talk bad about her, but it's just, I'm enjoying everyone else's character more than hers. So hopefully season two will maybe she'll pick up some because it's interesting that they took that character from that, you know, the unaired pilot and we didn't know anything about her. So Rebecca Romaine kind of had a um, blank slate to just kind of write her own character and, and put her own stamp on it. But so far I, I just haven't seen too much from her. Yeah, and, and knowing that she played Mystique in the X-Men movies, and Mystique had a lot more, you know, personality. Now, granted, Mystique was just sort of like a sex symbol of right. sorts, like leaned into that pretty heavily. But 
I mean, looking at that and looking at number one, those are pretty extremely varied performances. So Mm -hmm. she's got the range. I just don't know why she doesn't bring it. So it's definitely a character choice that she's sticking to. And I just don't like it. So um, I was really impressed with um, the fight skills of the girl playing Ortegas. Oh, yeah. Uh, Like, I know it's a TV show and I know Star Trek is not known for like being amazing with fight choreography, but she actually did really, really good. It was an an interesting fight and, and in some ways better than some of the lightsaber duels of Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> so Yeah. I, I enjoyed her um her performance and all of the like you said, the action bits to it. Um on kind of a limited T V budget, but still nonetheless entertaining. Um Yeah. And oh, I think yeah. the meat of this episode shelf especially for us as fathers was the Mbenga daughter plot line. And I was kind of shocked the way that they went about the decision for, okay, do you let the child die or do you, or not die, but the the choice of, do you let the child go or do you, let your crew crewmates go, right? Like, do you let your friends and coworkers, your crew die basically? And the way that they kind of, they went with the, okay, let the child go. And in the ready room, they kind of phrased it as, oh, it's just like, you know, letting them fly away, letting them go off to college or whatever. And for me, and I want to get your take on this. I didn't take sure. it that way. When, when they gave that choice, I thought, they're killing the child because they said she's going to transcend her consciousness is going to go into another form and she yeah. would never experience death. And to me, that is like dying, like to give a child the choice. Like I thought the father was going to make the choice, but to give the child the choice and say, Hey, you're going to be immortal now. Do you want to be immortal? And, it, and the child is way too young to make a decision like that. I just thought that was very strange. Um, what, what did yeah. you, what was your take on that? I, I can see where you're going with that. Um, I think I just saw it more from the, the heartfelt aspect of it. And I think I did interpret it not as a, a death, but as a, a metaphorical um, transformation. Mm-hmm. Um sort of akin to like you were talking about, like the kid goes off to college yeah. or, um, or just moves out of the house, you yeah. know, and, and, and becomes an individual, um, or just starts thinking for themselves. And, uh, you know, we don't know how long she's been in a transporter situation, mm-hmm. right? Like obviously the transporter is not only halting her age, but also halting the progression of the disease that she has. Mm-hmm. So she could be technically a lot older mm. than she appears to be as far See, as how long Mbenga has been struggling with, you know, figuring this out. Yeah. I don't know. I also got the sense that, and I don't know this to be true, but is Mbenga's wife, is she still alive? It kind of feels like no. Yeah. it The way um, that they played so the mother it, is out of the picture. Yeah. yeah. So it seemed like she was dead. Um, but that would have been interesting if they had brought that up, what you just said about her being in stasis for, you know, so many years. And 
if they wrote it to the to the point where it was like, okay, she's been in a childlike state, but her mind has continued on, then I would it would have been easier for me to swallow to be like, all right, you can give her that choice. And they definitely played it, like you said, in that heartfelt way. Because when she came back, like when when she was leaving as a child, I was like, no, don't let her go. But then when she <laughs> came back, it was like, oh, okay, this is nice. They yeah. did it from the heartfelt I got, sense. I got to say, I did not expect the child to come back. I didn't either. In an older capacity. And to me, like I, I was prepared to accept that that was the outcome that she, maybe we would catch up with her in a, in a future episode. That's what I thought. Season or something yes. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but to have her come back immediately and see her at an older age, I was like, this is a man, this is a perfect payoff. Um, because we still know that Mbenga is, I would hope that in future episodes from a character development piece, he's not just okay with this, mm-hmm. like that he has to now, come to some place of acceptance over the the loss of his daughter in the physical sense. Obviously she exists on and has transcended her body, but he's not going to be able to just uh, re-energize her and and see her whenever he wants and read her books whenever she wants. And this or that, like there's a finality to their relationship at this point. And, uh, and so he has to, it's basically his own form of grief at this point. So I do hope that we get to see more of that, uh, because it'll just further flesh him out as a, as a more, um, three dimensional character with actual, you know, problems that yeah. he's working through. Right. Cause he's, um, and there's he's, so much to explore with the grief uh, as, yes. on that. So, cause he's yeah, alone I, I, now. That was a, yeah. That's a tough call. That is a really tough call. Yeah. I mean, but I guess when you think about it, it's, it's a lot like any situation, um, with where quality of life is concerned, right? Mm-hmm. So like whether you let, whether it be a child or a, a parent who is in a situation um, where quality of life is severely impacted, they can't have a normal existence there. Um, they could go at any moment. It's like, do you, do you really hold on to just trying to keep them in the here and now, or do you let them pass on to something potentially greater? Right. So I think like, the the choice, even though it was given to the girl to make, I think it's because the alternative is death. Well, I think really the thing that threw me, and this is just me personally, is I find immortality to be hell because all you watch all your family die, you watch all your friends die, and you stay around and you're immortal. To me, that sounds like a death sentence. And that's what when they said, oh, yeah, she'll never know death. And I was like, wait a minute. I don't I don't want to be around for the end of the universe. I want I want to like have a beginning, middle and end to my life. And so when they said that, that's when it kind of alarm bells in my mind went, no, mm. don't give the choice to a child. But like I said, they the way that they did it and the way that they <coughs> brought her back right away, it was very heartfelt. And it made me as a father feel good that he let her decide and he let her go on and she said, Hey, everything is fine. You know, I'm glad they gave us that kind of um, catharsis and that release at the end there. So they did good show off at the end. (laughs) They did real good, real good. Definitely a heartbreaking, heartwarming uh, episode. And I did not expect them to resolve the Mbenga situation with his daughter this season yeah i, mean, I didn't they've, either <laughs> they've spent at least three maybe parts of four episodes on the storyline i think he's got the most fleshed out character 
of all of them yes. in the crew so far. Um, maybe Spock is pretty close there, but like that's, I think Mbenga has really gotten the time, which is yeah. awesome. And I'm glad to see that. It probably also means now he's going to take, start taking a step backward mm-hmm. in the importance of his, his character in the grand scheme of like, character development right. to make room for other people. Right. Um, and we are at episode coming up on episode nine and we still don't know much of anything about Ortegas. I feel like she's gotta be. Yeah. Next. She's gotta like be if the they, next one. If well, they don't spend any time on Ortegas this season, like I think that's a real missed opportunity. I saw the ready room thumbnail before I saw the episode. And when she was on it, I was like, Oh, okay, good. This is going to be the Ortegas episode, right? Cause she's on the ready room. And yeah. Then- yeah, she had a nice part, but we still don't know her backstory. So, yeah, we definitely got to get her coming up here. But like you said, I think Mbenga is going to take a backseat, um, Spock, and also Pike, because he had kind of a heavy storyline at the beginning about his death. Yeah. And he's taken kind of a step back. So I think we will be getting that in the next couple episodes here. But I think, um, did you have any other... Notes on this episode, Sean? Um, not about the episode, The Ready Room, after watching it. Oh, just yeah. some a c- couple quick highlights. Mm-hmm. I would say uh, we are going to get more storylines involving Mbenga, but also involving Klingons. Yes. Which yes. is interesting because when you take into account what the Klingons looked like in Discovery, um, which you can see that from the first season onward, they have a very distinct, interestingly like, white slash purplish skin. Like uh, they don't have the, the hair that you're used to seeing uh, on the Klingons or the ridged, they have ridged foreheads, but it's not exactly the same. Yeah. Um, but then from the original series, they were basically, they look just like humans just with like big old mustaches and stuff. Like it, they didn't have the ridges that didn't happen later. in in the whole like Star Trek, uh, universe, mm-hmm. the idea of the Klingons, there was some kind of like, genetic testing and civil war type stuff. And that's what ended up causing the ridges to become the prominent thing in culture. But it's apparently something that Klingons don't discuss with non Klingons. (laughs) So uh, we don't know a whole lot of details, but if we're going to get the Klingons, then the question is what the heck are they going to look like? Because Mm -hmm. the Klingons that we saw in discovery, that was in discovery season two, which was happening just prior to the events of strange new worlds. And then you've got, um, well, I think like 10 years till the events of yeah. the original series right. and them looking like, you know, without any prosthetics or anything. Yeah. So it just makes me wonder if we're going to see them, what the heck are they going to look like? Yeah, so that'll be interesting. That's exciting. Um, and uh, I talked about uh, Kristen, uh, Christina Chong's dog, Runa. So that was really <laughs> cool. Uh, they had matching glittery dresses. So that was really <laughs> funny. Uh, but yeah, overall, great episode. So yeah. I'm, I'm uh, loving this season of Star, uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds. And yes. it's, it's definitely been a highlight of my week each week. Yes, same here. Excellent, Shoff. So let's wrap up this episode. But before we do, um, any life updates you want to tell us about, Shoff? I'm always interested. Um, well, yeah, real briefly, um, we upped the timeline of our move. So we, um, we're still, we're still moving, uh, into our new house in Washington, uh, July 29th, but we originally had the moving truck coming like only like a week prior to that to pick up our stuff. And we were going to be staying for a few days with our nanny. Actually, she has a, she's moving into a house that has a fully furnished basement for us. So that's going to be really great. Um, but, uh, 
realizing that our stuff in the moving truck wouldn't arrive until like two weeks after we move in. That's a long time to be roughing it. Right. So we decided to request an earlier pickup time of our stuff. Nice. In order to get it sooner. Nice. So um, our stuff, everything has to be packed up by July 14th. So that's not far from now. That's like less than three weeks away. So... Um, so it's, it's going to be a little bit of a scramble here at the house boxes everywhere. <laughs> I just went to home Depot and got like 25 more boxes. So, Dang. uh, so we are, um, down to the wire pretty much. So, and, and that's pretty much like the nature of our podcast is going to take a little bit of a break right after strange new worlds because, I won't, won't have anything hooked up. <laughs> Everything's going to be packed up. So we just have to take a break hiatus until, uh, I'm, um, reestablished in the, the new office in Washington. And then we can uh, kick things back into gear, but that's, what's going on for me. That's the big thing is just, uh, trying to balance my days with, um, a, a nearly two month old and a nearly two year old. Uh, she'll be two on the 4th of July, uh, so, uh, that, and then working full time and trying to pick, pack up a house. It's just, it's nuts, man. It's nuts. Dang. So, so that's me. What about you? Yeah. I've just been trying to consume content for, we love comics. Um, there's yes. always a new comic to read and specifically Shaf and I both, we we've done kind of a personal reading club together where we're reading the X-Men <laughs> house of X powers of X. Uh, storyline, which I think if you're an X-Men fan, you sh- um, I would highly recommend you get into it because it is very good, Shof. Uh, how far are you? Oh, I've already read it. Oh, you already read um, the whole thing. I- I'm just rereading it yes. with yes. you. But yeah. um, I mean, I loved it. It's I would actually put it in my top three because um, it's actually it's like a 12 issue series. But um, if I'm if you're going to call it like an event um, I would say it's my top three, like favorite events of all time. Nice. So. Yeah. So I've been doing that. And then I've been trying to produce a new TikTok slash real, uh, also YouTube short every weekday. So I'm taking the weekends off, but every, five days a week, I'm trying to put out a brand new video and sometimes multiple, um, in a day it just depends on what news or what articles Shaw sends me. Um, but yeah, that's been my week this week is trying to either consume content or put out content. Where do people find your reels, your TikToks? How how can they find it? So reels, I'm just Vactor, my last name, V-A-C-T-O-R. Uh, TikTok, I am Vactor Loves Comics, all one word. Um, and then my YouTube shorts, I don't know how people get to that. Just search for Vactor on, uh, YouTube or We Love Comics and you'll find it. Nice. <laughs> and speaking of social shelf, they can find our socials at Trek No Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And we also put out video content on YouTube. If anyone is interested in, in consuming through YouTube, uh, just search for Treknological and you shall find our <laughs> lovely voices. Um, maybe, maybe we'll do video in the future, Shelf, but right now we're just doing a audio version of our podcast on YouTube. Um, you can always leave us a comment there and let us know how we're doing or if you want to hear something. And we would also love if you would leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Don't forget, we are part of a podcast network 
the Geek So to Speak podcast network, which has some lovely podcasts, including Geek So to Speak, which is currently on hiatus. Um, but we also have the Sandbox Gamers, which is our video game podcast, which this past week we talked about Shredder's Revenge, the new Ninja Turtles game, which Shoff and I actually got a chance to play this <laughs> so last good. week. Hopefully we'll get to play some more because at this point it is my favorite game of 2022. So <laughs> Shredder's Revenge we talked about on the Sandbox Gamers. And then this week on We Love Comics, we talked about Miles Morales being culturally appropriated for the What If Miles Morales Was Thor book. So if you want to hear myself and Mr. Seabury talk about that, check out We Love Comics. Um, all these things can be found at our website, geeksotospeak.com slash network shop. Um, that is all the things I have to tell you besides sharing us with your friends and family. Uh, we would love to beam into all of your homes. So <laughs> next week we're going to be talking about episode nine, the penultimate episode of season one for Strange New Worlds. So don't forget to check us out there. But I believe, Shoff, our mission of the week is complete. Vactor and Shoff here, two to beam up. Live long and prosper. Anson Mount for president. Yeah.